Hello everyone and welcome to episode 30 of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai and I'm the editor-in-chief of Auto Trader. And I am Dan Alika and I am Auto Trader's road test editor. Can you believe we've done 30 episodes of Own the Road? Well Jody, we haven't. We've only done 29. Okay. Thanks, Dan, for ruining my amazing nostalgia. I mean, we started this a little bit over the uh, a year ago. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And I've enjoyed every single episode. Wow, with me! Yeah, it takes a lot of effort sometimes wow. because sometimes um, you're pretty annoying. Wow. Yeah, you just going to put it out there. First, folks. I've known Dan for a very long time. That is true. Um, and I'm lucky enough because he's also one of my best friends. Yeah, it is nice to, to do this with, you know, somebody that means so much to me professionally and personally that, you know, and just we get along. I think it's a good format for us. I think so. And, we've, uh, we've been through some stuff. Yeah, together. and this is just like a cool, you know, it's something that we both enjoy and we hope that you guys are enjoying it. And, and uh, also want to give a shout out to my guy, Matthew McKinnon out in Nova Scotia. He's uh, a dedicated listener. Cool. He's, yeah. Honestly, everybody, thank you so much for all your support over these 30 episodes. Like, I've seen you leaving 29, those... 29 Stop in a bit. Stop it! I've seen you leaving those five-star reviews. I've seen you, like, sharing and sending us Ask an Expert questions. And I'm so, so grateful for all your support. So thank you so much. Um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about what's coming in car tech. And uh, basically, the car industry moves so quickly. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure if we did this episode in a year from now, on our like 60th episode, it would we would have so many other things to talk about because technology progresses so quickly in the automotive space. But it also like it's it's interesting when you talk to automotive engineers and the stuff that they're working on, and you find out how early they they're working on it, like you know what the the cycles are for them. And it's not just about the technology, like not being ready or whatever but it's also the rollout you know the tech could be ready they could be ready but the vehicle isn't capable of integrating that technology so they have to wait for the next generation yep. so there's stuff that has kind of come to be like let's say seven years ago in a vehicle with an eight-year product cycle so they have to wait until that next if they if for yeah. whatever reason if they can't integrate it in that current version yeah and it's also sometimes the car is not ready but sometimes the legislation in yeah. our countries aren't ready for laser it. lights yep. remember that was a big one uh with audi and bmw years i don't know let's say probably at this point i don't know a good seven years ago at least that laser lights were allowed in europe and we got to test them in Europe and we were all excited about them. And then we found out that the government at the time had not approved them. Transport Canada hadn't approved the use of laser lights. So, but people were reading about this stuff and mm -hmm. the automakers just, you know, assumed like, oh, we'll be able to introduce this globally. Uh, and it took a while for, it was like a, another two years until we started to see it here. Yeah, like it, it's a very complicated thing to yeah. sell one product in many, many different markets. So yes. there's a lot of uh, like customizations they have to do to make sure everything's like legally sound for each each specific region. And that's the thing with like the reason, you know, people talk about red tape and all that, but you have to keep in mind, right, that, you know, Transport Canada, like part of its mandate is to ensure that the products that it's approving um, are are there not for the novel side of things, but for their, you know, for their benefits, right? So just because it looks cool doesn't necessarily mean it's good for our roads. Just because it works in other markets doesn't necessarily mean. So a good example, and we can jump right into it, 
is camera-based door mirrors. Great one. Yep. So you're seeing this in Europe and in Korea uh, in particular where cars like the Honda E, which I don't know if you guys have seen this before, um, but it's this little kind of retro-inspired hatchback electric vehicle has cameras on the doors instead of side view mirrors and they project a live look on these little screens inside those are not approved for use in north america right now they might be down the road but as of right now you can't get them here so even in korea with the hyundai ionic 6 which is the new ev it's kind of weird looking um in korea it's got a lower coefficient of drag barely it's like 0.21 versus 0.22 here right. and that's because of the camera-based mirrors there that they're not allowed here we need conventional door mirrors yeah and so a lot of the tech we're going to be talking about today a lot of it already exists but in like very specialized expensive yeah. cars and these are cool because sometimes they trickle down to you know much more affordable cars which is what makes it relevant for for most of us um, like, you know, just as an example, like 15 years ago, heated steering wheels could only be found in like luxury cars. Yeah. But now you can find them in like any, literally any car. The Kia I think. Rio, you can get a heated, a heated steering, steering wheel. You can't wheel. get one in the Mitsubishi Mirage. That's true. But almost every car, like 90% yeah. of cars out there now basically almost come standard with it. Um, other times we see this tech debut in concept cars, which yeah. a lot of automakers use to create buzz, kind of like show off the innovations they're working on. And also to test like public response. Like if yeah. people... If they come out with something really cool and people get really excited about it, they're like, oh, well, if people like that, we, sh we might put this in our next car. But the, the flip side of it, if it flops, they can be like, oh, it was just a concept. It just it existed in one of our designers' imaginations and we decided to bring it to light. That never meant we were serious about yeah. it. So it is a really kind of cool way that they can test things out without committing to it or making themselves look silly exactly yeah. so and, and a lot of cool stuff comes out of there um and a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about actually debuted back in january at the consumer electronics show in vegas and typically i hate that show yep. because all of the car related stuff that exists are like ideas or like fragments of ideas and they're yeah. very abstract and very rarely something concrete comes out of that show. And so for, for you and me, it's not super relevant because I wanna know like, how is this gonna affect what I'm buying in the near future? And so a lot of these things that we're talking about today, I feel like are more likely, but we'll also debunk the ones that are like really not likely that are gonna happen. Yeah, and also like guys, keep in mind, this is just us, you know, kind of speculating educated guesses, let's say. Um, we don't have insider info. Uh, anything that we know that's actually coming, we can say that. But but a lot of stuff, it is going to come down to just us, you know, putting some pieces together, but it's not a guarantee. Um, and to Jody's point about CES, like that show, I've said this before. I think I said this on a, on a podcast episode before that like, when you look at some of the consumer stuff, that is a real pie in the sky. A lot of stuff that debuts there never becomes a reality. Yep. Or it's the stuff that, you know, a company or a person thinks is going to be a big deal. Wearable technology obviously has exploded, and that was a big deal uh, at CES. But, like, look at, you know, curved TVs. Those were supposed to be the next big thing. I, I, don't, I don't know anybody who owns one. I think that was just a thing that came and went. It was like 3D TVs, Oof. right? That was a really yeah. big thing for a couple months, maybe like yeah. a year, and then it just went away. But you know what's ironic, and this just dawned on me, 3D televisions never really took off. 3D displays in cars 
becoming a thing or, or curved displays i should say exactly. sorry so that that's one of those things that you're you're starting to maybe it didn't work in its initial you know kind of rollout so yeah you're seeing these curved displays from mercedes BMW. and bmw and it, Kia, Kia does it too yeah, now, I think. Yeah, so, so maybe, I guess, you know, the test bed didn't work, but now there's a new one. I don't know. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how how these, like, crazy pie-in-the-sky ideas get translated into, like, tangible, usable products. Yeah. Which, and that, to me, is where this is the most interesting, right? True, yeah. Um, so... Getting back to it, so Dan recently went to Sweden and experienced something really cool that I think will be a game changer. Tell him about yeah, it. Yeah, so they, so we didn't really, like we knew we were going there to drive the XC40 and C40 Recharge, um, these new versions for 2024 that are rear-wheel drive based. They're both electric. Uh, before they were front-wheel drive biased. Front drive biased, all-wheel drive. In Europe, you could buy front-wheel drive versions. Now they're rear wheel drive, so rear biased all wheel drive systems, and they have a little bit more range. The rear electric motors are developed in house by Volvo. So that was why we went, was to check out these, these 2024 versions. And then they kind of surprised us with this demonstration of wireless EV charging technology. There's a pilot project going on in Gothenburg, which is where Volvo is headquartered. Um, there's four wireless charging pads and I think 20 XC40 recharge cabs. Cool. And they have, so basically it's a, it's a transmitter. It doesn't really look like much. It's like a blue plate on the, on the road. And then there's a receiver on the bottom of the vehicle and it works just like a wireless phone charger. Cool. You pull up over top of it and it takes a second for them to start communicating with each other and then boom all of a sudden you're charging wirelessly i think that's really cool and i love the convenience factor of yeah. that because anytime you can you know eliminate one of those like friction points that people have like oh i don't want to plug it in every day well now you don't have to and the the guy responsible for it was telling us that because i said right away like you know do you have to keep this like clear he said they've had no like sand gravel snow ice the only thing that would impede it is metal interesting which, you know makes sense but yeah any like he said they've had no issues with it i don't remember exactly what the rate is it does not charge at a level three but it's somewhere close to 40 kilowatts so not far beneath the lowest um dc fast charging which is 50 kilowatts that's pretty good especially so for like an overnight charge or yeah. something that's more than enough so and it's funny because last year i was down uh, in Tennessee at the Volkswagen plant in Chattanooga where the ID4 is produced, which is an electric crossover as well. And they brought us to this, you know, the, the kind of EV um, engineering test site that they have there. And we pulled up and I saw this ID4 was parked over top of something and I kind of had a peek underneath and I asked the guy what it was and he was like, oh, it's, it's a wireless charger we're testing. And I remember telling you, and you're like, oh, can you do a story about it? But the guy was like, there, we just don't have much new information to share at this time. But the one thing that he told me was the biggest issue they were having. Now, this isn't, you know, uh, uh, like bad-mouthing Volkswagen. It's, it, everybody's kind of developing at different rates. Um, but he said the biggest issue that they were having at the time was the distance between the charging pad and the receiver. Uh, so they, when you looked underneath the car, 
the the battery had been lowered in order for it to actually be able to to charge wirelessly whereas the volvo one it is lower than normal but not anywhere near like i'm talking like the the id4 like you probably you would bottom out a lot just going over regular bumps mm. in the road like you would hear that scraping. that battery scraping whereas this xc40 i don't remember what the distance is but it was like kind of standard ground clearance like call it i don't know about six inches or so mm -hmm. versus let's say if it was seven so it was only about an inch inch and a half lower than the normal ride height it was really cool to see that they've been able to to bridge that gap now i can't remember the name of the company um in the states that that supplies this this wireless technology but they also do it with like city buses and stuff like that i think that's so cool yeah. and i think it's getting closer and closer to becoming reality because i remember like years ago bmw was also working on something like this and it never came out and so i can only think that they're just continuing to like refine and yeah. make it better and better until it's finally ready for yeah. like public use so but it's i do gotta think be close. i think it would be imagine you know at home you would just like have this charging pad and with the xc40 all you do is like enable the the forward facing camera so you can see where the charging pad is, align it so that you're centered and it has those guidelines on the camera. So as long as they're straddling this this blue box on the ground, you pull over it and as soon as it disappears from from view, like so you get to the kind of front edge, you know you're over top of it. And then as long as the communication, you know, kind of happens because it's wireless and it's over the air. So it just takes a second. Um, but once it, you know, kind of clicks on, you, you can get out of the car and, and do your thing. I love that. Yeah. I feel like that will be a really big game changer for EVs when that becomes something that's everywhere. Now imagine they don't have to be in the ground and it can be a like kind of mobile. You could put that, drop that pad into any parking <gasps> spot would be a game changer. Wow, that would Imagine. be a game changer because then your range anxiety like wouldn't exist anymore. You would just like hook it up. I think that this could be, and for, for you like know. Like you could charge it at home and bring it with you. Or like, yeah, or have like, I don't know, let's say malls, you know, whatever, hotels during peak seasons, they could put a bunch of these out, but then they could, you know, use them elsewhere. You could have companies leasing them. Like I, I feel like this could open in like a whole new kind of, Wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, if that was true, that would be so, so great. Yeah. Um, even if you were able to take it with you and plug it into like a regular wall socket. Oh my God. So you wouldn't need a charger overnight. Imagine it's like one of those charging banks. Like Yeah, you know, that yeah. would be so convenient. I love that. Anyway, that's, a, that's something that Pie should be sky. coming soon. Um, the other thing that was really interesting is um, there's obviously going to be more cameras inside and outside of cars, um, but the new Mercedes E-Class was in the headlines and all of the news outlets kind of zoned in on the fact that it will have TikTok integration, which to me is so stupid. Yes. Um, so you can, you can watch videos, but you will not be able to post and you can join me video meetings and it acts like a selfie camera and all these things and you can play angry birds on it um and all of this doesn't make sense to me because you have a phone why yeah. wouldn't you just use your phone for all that stuff and so it's it's weird why they would be investing so much into this kind of um internal camera integration you when the use that, cases don't make sense you drove that x1 that had the 
the camera inside. Yeah, right? so they had a selfie camera, but it was really more useful in case you wanted to like nab a thief who who stole your car, or if you wanted to check your car to see if you forgot something. This is not again. This isn't like to trash talk BMW, but you know we've seen a lot of this talk recently with the the massive uptick in vehicle thefts, especially in the Greater Toronto area. Um, talk about like kind of the wrong approach instead of like automakers investing in technology that could prevent you know these thefts from taking place instead being like well look you could use this camera to get a photo of the thief it's like man let's let's invest in some better better, yeah better anti-theft stuff instead of letting these guys reprogram yeah and it was kind of the same way that a lot of um luxury cars these days come with external cameras kind of like i think tesla was the first automaker to do this where it would act like a dash cam so you know in the event of a crash or a collision it will start recording which which i can see being very helpful in that case um because oftentimes it's like who are you going to believe like it's a he said she said situation right so i understood that and then there's the other feature where it starts recording if it detects suspicious activity like if someone just walks too close to your yeah. car it will start recording um which which i feel like is kind of useful but yeah. also has the potential to be misused yeah i mean you know there's always going to be privacy concerns yeah. with these it's funny i was thinking about it recently i don't remember in what context but it's like that everybody gets you know worried about privacy concerns until stuff like that happens yeah and then they're like oh you know thank god that this camera was rolling and it's like you know, you can't kind of have your cake and eat it too. Like, yeah. You got to, you know, I don't know. That that That's the way I look at it. But I agree. It's it's definitely, um, it's like Apple, uh, what are they called? Air tags, right? Yeah. The, the intentions were good, but then them being but misused then, by bad actors is, is yeah. uh, the like problem. Like people using it to, to, to steal like cars or stalk people. Stalk people. Yeah. That's a big, that's like a huge, you know, problem with those air tags. Now. Yeah. And Apple, you know, obviously it's kind of inadvertent. Like Apple didn't go, oh, you know, stalker's best friend, the Apple AirTag. Like, but <laughs> can you imagine? You know, now it's become a thing, and and so it's kind of like that with these cameras, right? It's like, are are they invading people's privacy? I don't know, maybe. And well, and that becomes a concern because another of the one of the other things I wanted to talk about was the increased connectivity that we're going to see in cars, right? Yeah. So right now, a lot of luxury cars are connected to the internet. They have they have um, like data plans attached to them. They have full internet access at all times. And so then you know you already know your phone is listening to you all the time. Does that mean your car is going to start listening to you too? Probably. Yeah, like Amazon Alexa or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, exactly. Every, I remember talking to somebody and I was like, oh, I don't know, these like the Google Home thing. I was like, I don't know. It just seems like to have a speaker that's constantly listening to you. And they're like, oh, no, it's not. You can turn it off. And I was like, oh, well, how do you turn it back on? And then they're like, oh, you just say like, you know, whatever. And and I'm like, so it's listening. It yeah. has to like that would be like word. exactly that would be like saying like oh well he can't hear me until i say his name well how would i know that you were calling me if i didn't hear yeah. everything you were saying so right? the privacy stuff is something that i believe i think they're working on legislation i don't know if it's too late but 
that's just something I really wanted to talk about in terms of cars because in theory it seems like a really great idea you know to have a car be able to communicate to other cars to the infrastructure even if you think of like how Tesla's work right and the charging network there's no credit cards you need you just plug in your car and your car is automatically gonna charge your account because it's connected yeah. and I think that's really cool you know if you drive through a drive-through eventually you won't need to pull out your credit card your your all your information will be in your car but then it also needs to be secure right like we have to yeah. make sure that the the automakers are doing their due diligence to protect your information i remember i remember like covering you know writing stories about the internet of things like over a decade ago mm. and the fact that it's still not necessarily like um widespread and then the same with car to car i remember going on a mercedes program like back in 2016 and uh the, their executives were all stoked to talk to us about you know this car to car communication and it and it's real but you know the e class doesn't sell in huge volume so it it's not that it's useless but it's like until you have tens of thousands of these on the same roads they're not really doing you know what or they're not fulfilling the potential i guess yeah. and then the other thing i wanted to say that's relevant to all of this is we're seeing it constantly insurance rates are increasing that's because there's so much expensive stuff in and on cars. So all these cameras, if you're, you know, if your car with these expensive camera systems gets banged up and that has to be replaced, insurance companies are going to make sure to respond to that and increase the rates to pay for all this stuff. Expensive technology, expensive insurance rates. That's why we're seeing rates increase. It's not an influx of terrible drivers. No, it's, it's literally that vehicles expensive. are more expensive. Yeah. Um, and, and the cars communicating with each other, I think will have a really big role to play in autonomous cars. And so I just wanted to take a second to explain why autonomous cars are like not as close as people might want you to believe they are. And it's one of those things that automakers talk about all the time. Like at CES, every automaker will be like, here's this blob car that will drive itself. You can take a nap or watch a movie. Like. I, and I just want to point out right now that that is so far away from actually happening. I'm still <laughs> convinced that it's not going to happen. Uh, full it, full autonomy. Yeah. I think like you're going to see stuff like uh, GM Super Cruise, Ford's Blue Cruise, where it's hands-free highway technology. Uh, so on stretch certain stretches of divided highway, there's like a couple hundred thousand miles in the U.S., a lot less in Canada, but it's getting there. Um, you can drive with no hands on the wheel. The GM version will even change lanes on its own if you if you activate it. It's very cool. That I can see becoming a widespread thing. Yep. Full autonomy. I honestly just don't think it's going to happen. There, and there's a lot of reasons why. So first of all, the technology doesn't truly exist in the way that it needs to for it to be safe 100% of the time. And also just like conditions. The all infrastructure. The, well, and you take a look at... So I remember you know, just checking out the Volvo EX90 and the sensors are hidden behind this little panel above the windshield. And that was strategically done in order to keep it far away from the front end of the vehicle, like the grill where the grill was um, to keep slush and ice off of there. Um, but then also that the washer nozzles that are on the wiper will clear it. But like we've all seen the roofs of our cars when you drive in the wintertime on the highway in a snowstorm. Yep. And that's the problem. And then the other problem, I am still convinced to this day 
that liability is the biggest factor. And I remember a uh, engineer from GM saying this back in 2012 or 2013, that he was like, the technology exists, but until, you know, the parties decide who is liable because automakers, they they don't want to be liable. Yeah. But if a driver say, is asleep at the wheel, who, who can be held responsible when something goes wrong? And insurance companies obviously are like, well, hold on a second. Like, so th this is one of those, like, it's a snafu that I don't know we're ever going to get over. Yeah. And then now you add in the mitigating factors of, you know, conditions in Canada in particular. Yeah. Where we see the, the winter weather just makes it impossible. I mean, just as an example, like even when we're driving and the roads are wet and it's rainy, even we have trouble seeing the lines. And yeah. a lot of these systems these? rely on seeing the lines. And it just doesn't make sense. I just don't see that coming becoming a reality anytime soon. And automakers have tried to, so it's like camera, radar, LIDAR, all in one. But it's like, at the end of the day, if those sensors get obstructed at all. And then the other side of it is like, maybe it, you know, isn't like people will still do it. Like you shouldn't rely on those systems in the, in the poor weather anyways, mm -hmm. when you're in control, like cruise control, lane keep assist, all of that stuff. Once conditions are bad, like all bets are off. So how all of a sudden are we going to just say, oh yeah, vehicles can do it on their own. And then the other side of it is just like anything, once you get used to something, how do you say to a person, Hey, look, you don't have to drive this car. It's autonomous. You kind of get lazy. You forget how it works. You forget what your job is as a vehicle operator. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, you got to drive yourself. You're going to have people that don't know what they're doing. It's true. Yeah. And so I just... It's a whole mess. It's it's kind of a mess. I don't think it's going to happen. Remember and, and people the whole, talk to us about this all the time. Remember, I was going to say the Tesla robo-taxi thing. All mm -hmm. these people who bought Teslas and went, my car is going to be worth more now or more then than it is now because it's going to be a, an autonomous taxi. And Elon Musk said this is coming. And that was in like, I don't know, 2018. Yeah. And it's now 2023. And but, those don't exist. And they're never going to exist. That's a joke. Yeah. You, you've been duped. You've folks. been duped. Um, I also wanted to talk about, there's two more that I wanted to mention. One of them was AI and machine learning, just because that's like such a huge conversation that everybody's having right now. Um, and so how do we apply that to automotive? So some cars currently use AI to kind of like analyze your driving style and the conditions and like pick certain drive modes that are best suited to your, your personal driving style, which I think is okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a little bit gimmicky, to be honest. Totally. Um, but I do think that AI and machine learning will will start to play a bigger role in automotive. It just has to. That's just where the industry is going. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that people ask us a lot about is 3D printing. Yeah. Um, and you had a little bit of experience with well, that. Well, so 3D printing is cool. Um, I think it's, you know, it's a great technology. It's really done a lot in like, if you take a look at medicine is a great example of an area that it works really well. Um, you have seen it in some small scale applications in the auto industry. So I remember telling you like the, um, on in the Cadillac CT5 or CT5V Blackwing, whatever mm -hmm. it is, um, the shift pattern on the, on the shifter, that's a 3D printed cap. Cool. Okay, but that's such low volume. Like as of right now and probably for a long time into the future, 
3D printing works in low volume. It does not scale up very well. Because it takes so it, long. It's, it's a very time consuming process. So you are seeing some, you know, companies try it. And there's a, a good example is Project Aero, which is this Canadian EV. I don't know. They, they're, they're like, oh, it's not a concept, but it kind of is. But anyways, uh, it's a prototype. And the, the plan is that it would be a Canadian built and designed and engineered EV. Uh, and the technology that they're using for the, for the unibody chassis is 3D printing. And I don't know, I talked with the CEO of this company, like he is such an energetic and enthusiastic dude. And it's easy to get hyped about it. But it's like, look, if we're talking like big volume, like tens of thousands of cars a year, you would have possible. to have like, well, you would have to have like a city sized plant yeah. just to 3D print these things fast enough. Yeah. You know? So I think like the technology as it is right now can't support it, but it could in the future. Maybe one day. But what it's really good at is prototyping. Yeah. Right. It's really good at like, because you can change stuff on the fly. You don't have to create, you know, molds, molds and everything like that. It's not like, oh, well, we're, you could say, oh, we want to change the angle of this part. You can quickly do that. Stop the process. Do it and restart the process and it'll change it on the fly. Like I said, in applications like healthcare with um, like transplants and mm -hmm. stuff like that, the, the possibilities are endless there. And for home, like I know people that have 3D printers and they love it. I met this guy from that Volvo program who was like one of the most fascinating dudes I've ever met in my life. First of all, his name was Rule and he, one of his hobbies, he's like a, a trick shot, like billiards trick shot guy. Cool. Okay, he's got on, on like something like, I don't know, Tuesday evenings, every week in Gothenburg, Sweden, he teaches, this is the branding of it, Rules Pool School. And he'll teach you trick shots. This is not That's a joke. so fun. But this guy is like, he has this crazy 3D printer and it's like a baby monitor. He was like showing me the projects while it was happening in real time because it's got a camera. But he was like, oh yeah, like, you know, so my, my kid needed like furniture for her dollhouse so i like make her this furniture and like he was like talking about dungeons and dragons making like the these little, little mini figurines and like the he made these little rings with the they're like he said they're effect rings so if you're under some sp i don't know how dungeons and dragons works but i guess like if you're under a spell so he made these rings that you would put on the little cool. thing to say what spell they're under and then he made a holder for that and then he made a bigger holder for like the whole set so it's cool on a personal level the stuff you can do very with it very small scale exactly because you're just making it for yourself or yeah. maybe a few friends but to do it on a mass level we're just not there yeah and i don't know if we'll ever be there i agree um two more things one of them is augmented reality head-up displays Ooh, love those so that is something that's currently available in more luxury cars i do think that is something that will trickle down to yes. mainstream cars very very quickly and because even augmented reality nav so on the on the let's say like the central screen if you're driving along and you'll see a turn coming up it will use the front view camera. It will show you like the intersection you're approaching with big red arrows on the screen so that you know where to turn. And it, it's augmented reality. It looks like they're floating. It's like Mario Kart. Yeah, it feels like you're in a video game. It's, it's very cool. And I, I think that's going to become a bigger a bigger thing. I think so too. And then the last one is color changing cars. So this one is kind of a pie in the sky one. Oh, and yeah. they debuted it. BMW debuted it at CES in Las Vegas. Um, and they actually did one last year as well, but last year could only do black, white, and grayscale. This year it was full color 
co- color changing car. Could you imagine how much that would cost? Like there is crazy. Like remember that Maybach that we that we tested. The paint job on it was like $20,000. Yeah. I mean, part of that was like the hand pinstriping and stuff. But this concept car that came out with it, it has 240 different panels. Each panel has something called uh, e-ink. And e-ink is not a new technology. No, yeah. We've, it's on your e-reader and stuff like that. But this is the first time it's been given like an automotive application. And so basically, like it has each panel has these like micro capsules that kind of react when electricity is applied to it. So you could change the color of your car. You could make each panel a different color if you wanted. You could animate it. Oh, yeah. So all those shoppers out there could be like, I want my white car to be gray. Now I want it to be silver. People are boring. I know. What a waste. Everybody so, just drives boring colored cars anyways. This is this is one that I think is a really cool concept. I just don't see how we can apply it right now to like everybody and production. I think vehicles. if they were gonna do it, if I were BMW, this is I've said this before about actual paint colors. Start charging people for the boring colors, mm-hmm. make the fun stuff free. So I it's think- like, oh, you want a silver car? That's a $2,000 paint job. You want an orange one? Free. No charge. So this should be the same thing. Reward these people, but say, okay, we'll sell you this color changing car, but it can't do any of these ridiculous, boring colors. It could only go from blue to red to purple to yellow. You couldn't make it white or black or silver because that's just boring. Why why have that technology if you're just going to have a white car? Exactly. It's boring. But yeah, there's lots of cool things happening. If you have any questions about like other trends that are kind of on our radar, you can email us at expert at trader.ca. And before we do our Ask an Expert segment, here is a message from our overlords. Save time and money by using AutoTrader, Canada's most trusted place to buy and sell new and used cars. AutoTrader has the most cars and one of the best features is price badging so you can feel more confident that you're getting a good deal. So today's Ask an Expert comes from our loyal listener, Maroon. Maroon, what up? I hope what that... Up? Oh, now, is this going to... Are we going to find... I didn't even read it. Is this like the Tesla? Yep. Tesla so, talk? so she bought a Tesla Model 3. Congratulations. And it's a long email, but I'm going to kind of uh, make it shorter. So she basically... Uh, she lives in Montreal. Yep. She bought a Tesla Model 3. Yep. Um, she gets in the habit of charging it when it's under 40%, which is very smart. Good call. Um, so Montreal had a major ice storm which knocked out electricity for four days. Um, And her car had 35% left. They had planned to go to Toronto with the Tesla Model 3, um, but they couldn't charge it because of the power outage. So they went all the way to Cornwall. When they got to Cornwall to charge, they had only 7% left on their Tesla. Um, And most of the people waiting to charge were from Quebec because nobody could charge there, right? So that, that's kind of a dilemma that, you know, we hadn't really thought about before. What happens when there's a power outage? Uh, thankfully, they only waited for about 20 minutes and charged it to 100%, which took 55 minutes. That's nothing. Which is great. Like, that is amazing. And that Tesla's yeah. killing it in the charging game because their system is so good. And they said, you know, we went to stretch our legs. We went to Tim Hortons. Um, and then they said the rest of the trip, super uneventful. And the whole round trip cost only $85. Yeah, that's all. And that's, keep in mind... Paying for those fast chargers, there is a premium because you're paying for the speed. You're not paying for the energy. But keep in mind, like, I don't care what kind of car it is. You could not do a round trip even in, like, a Corolla 
for eighty five dollars from from Montreal to Toronto and that back. Is that's so just not possible. Cheap. So and. I love this story because it shows you that Tesla is doing the charging game really well. Yep. It also shows you that doing long trips in an EV is very, very possible and it's very affordable. And it also shows that Maroon is very happy with that Tesla Model 3. She loves the Tesla Model 3 and she said that um, she's not grumpy about EV charging because that was the episode oh, that she yeah. had listened okay, to. Okay, good. You should not be because you are lucky that you can use these proprietary Tesla chargers as well as any you know right. of the random ones out there um i am very happy to hear i can't wait for more updates on this on the model 3 and what how ev life is treating you maroon and don't forget your responsibility to your you know friends and family and neighbors when they have questions don't just say buy a tesla you know just get get to talking about evs in general because i think we need more people like you that can you know help spread the word that evs are good Thank you so much, Maroon, for your question and for your sharing your story. Yeah. This is such a great story. Um, if anyone wants to ask Dan or I a question or just share your amazing stories like this, please email us at expert at trader.ca. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on our 30th episode of On the Road with Auto Trader. Um, drive safe and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>